Well, just want to remind us that we as a church, whether you're church online or whether gathered here with us this morning, that we exist to encourage and equip people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And so because of that, I'm excited about this morning because we began a new series today out of Philippians entitled More than happiness. And I love this because Philippians is my favorite book. I don't know if you have a favorite book. Philippians is my favorite book. Um, And the theme of Philippians is it deals with happiness, but it's more than happiness. It's really the theme of, of joy. And it was written by the apostle Paul, and it talks about how to have in your life more than happiness, because happiness is an emotion that Sometimes we experience and sometimes we don't. And Paul talks about how to have more than happiness in our life. Maybe a better way would be uh, to say it this way. Paul talks about how we can sustain happiness in our lives. Because I like to be happy more than unhappy, right? I would rather be happy. But I know that because it's an emotion and because a lot of times our emotions are based upon the things that have happened to us in our life, that sometimes there are things that bring happiness down. But Paul gives us, as we're going to look at over the next several weeks, Paul gives us some habits that we can develop that kind of sustain, if you will, happiness. You know, on the keyboard back here, they have a pedal down there. They call it the sustain pedal that you push down on the pedal. And when you play something, it kind of allows that music that's being played to sustain or go longer than it normally would. And so What is amazing about what we're going to look at as we look at the book of Philippians is that Paul wrote the book of Philippians in prison, Um, which means, well, let me, uh, let me get, that's not where I want to be. So let's just hold on, which means your happiness isn't based on your happenings. It's not based on the things that are happening around you. Um, it is based on something different. And so Paul's going to teach us more than happiness. So what I want you to do is if you turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter one, I want to read the first 11 verses of that for the context of the message today that we're going to look at in just a moment as we talk about how to develop habits that sustain happiness in our lives. It is ironic and it's also sad that some of the funniest comedians, those people that make us laugh the most, that make us maybe the happiest as we're listening to them, are also ones who have taken their own lives, a way of suicide. One of those is Robin Williams, who was one of the most talented um, American comedians and actors maybe that has ever lived, and sadly he ended his own life by way of suicide. I read this quote this week by Robin Williams. He said, I used to think the worst thing in life was to end up all alone. It's not. The worst thing is to end up with people around you who make you feel alone. And and what he was doing is he was talking about relationships and that how relationships often can rob us of happiness, can suck the happiness right out of us. And it's, it's like a dark cloud hung over the life of one who made us laugh because I think most of us know you can be smiling on the outside. You can be talking to somebody and shaking their hand. Well, don't shake their hands now, right? You can be talking to somebody and maybe see a smile on their face if their mask is off. But deep down inside, there's a lot of pain 
that we don't see on the outside. And so how do you sustain happiness? How do you, how do you put habits in your life that allow happiness to play itself out maybe longer and sustain that in your life. You know, you can look at a lot of things. Some people might say, well, if I had more money, I'd be more happy, right? Come on, anybody would like to have some more money today? Uh, okay, nobody. I was gonna pass out $100 bills as you left today, but nobody, nobody wants that. Um, some people would say, oh, it's, it's you know, it's, uh, if I could have this thing or if I had that, if I had a bigger house, I had a bigger boat, if I had this or that, you know, that would make me happy. If I had a better job, that would make me happy. And there are a lot of things, a lot of those things that can bring happiness into our life. But Paul, when he's looking at the church at Philippi and he writes this letter, he is talking about the things that make us happy. And the very first place that he goes is he starts talking about relationships. It's as if he were saying, it is impossible for you to sustain happiness in your life while your relationships are unhappy. And so this is huge for us. I wish I had a couple of weeks just to preach on this topic of relationships because it is, it is just huge. But I wanna jump in, I wanna read these 11 verses, so let's just get right into it. If you're following along, uh, you can, um, on, your, on your smartphone or iPad, you can actually go to kokomonaz.org and there's a place on there that says the, the current message or whatever, and you can follow the notes and the scripture there as well. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus, I am writing to all of God's holy people, that's you and that's me, you'll find that out in a moment, in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and the deacons. So now this is like his introduction. Now he's gonna jump right into what he wants to say. And he says, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace, this is a phrase that Paul would use over and over in his letters. It's almost as if he were walking down the street and he would see another Christian and he would just say grace and peace to you. It's like he wanted grace just to cover their lives. He wanted peace to come out of them. And so every time he said, I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. So he's kind of doing this introduction. He's thanking them. He's talking about how much he loves them. And then he goes on to say, and I am certain that God who began the good work, who started a good work in them, in all of us, will continue his work. In other words, there is, there is something about we receive the, uh, we receive the gift of salvation in a moment. It is a decision, I receive that. But then this process of becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ, it is an ongoing process. It is a, a continuation. There's a, the spirit working in us, continuing his work until, so it's not ever done. He's continuing to refine us, make us look more like Jesus until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns, when he calls us home. So Paul said, it's right that I should feel as I do about all of you for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment 
and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. So you can kind of sense the personal nature of Paul, how he feels about this church at Philippi. And he goes on to say, God knows how much I love you and I long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love would overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing. And how, how does he want us to keep growing? In knowledge. So he wants us to take the word, to feed on the word. He, he wants us to continually be growing in Christ. So like when we talk about our mission, we're trying to encourage and equip people to become fully devoted. That is this ongoing process of filling ourselves with the knowledge of the word and the Holy Spirit and understanding. And then he says, for I want you to understand what really matters. So there are some things, they're not bad, but there are some things that just matter a whole lot more. So that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. And so Paul, as he writes to the church at Philippi to encourage them to continue to grow in their faith, to continue to stretch themselves, to continue to develop habits that will create joy in their lives, he begins to talk about these habits of healthy relationships. And he jumps right in. And here's what I believe. Paul realized that for us to sustain happiness in our life, we have to give a concerted effort into the relationships around us. Now, these habits that he gives us that we're gonna talk about over the next few weeks, but all of these habits, listen, they are easy to understand. In other words, if I say one of them today, you'll be like, oh yeah, we should do that. They are easy to understand. They are much more difficult to do. In other words, we have a tendency to know these, we just don't live these out. And as I teach these, you'll think, man, I already know those. But what I'm praying is the Holy Spirit will press in close to those of us that maybe aren't doing those and living those out. So let's jump in. I'm gonna give you four of them. Are you ready? Say yes. Online, say thumbs up. All right, here we go. Um, the first one is, I must be grateful for people in my life. Now, gratitude is almost always linked to happiness. Psychologists tell us that the more um, grateful people are, they have a tendency to be more happy in their lives. Most of the counseling that they do is listening to all of the ungrateful things that they have experienced in their lives, right? And, and so ha uh, happiness is tied to our gratefulness, our, our gratefulness in our lives. And if you wanna have good relationships, you start with a heart of gratitude. Here's what Paul said, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Paul said, I remember the good things about you. I remember the experiences, the memories I have. I think on those good ones. And when I do, I just stop and give thanks because that simple truth is the source of good relationships to focus on, to think about the good things and give thanks for those things in our lives. Now, come on, let's just be practical. When marriages stop doing this, they get in trouble. When marriages start 
um, looking at the negative aspects in the relationship and they start focusing on the bad memories. The more you focus on those, the more you cause the relationship to begin to disintegrate. When marriages begin to flourish is when they stop and remember the good times and they're grateful for each other um, and they give thanks for that. Now, um, we have our son and grandson came into town last week. In fact, the requirement for my son coming was that he bring one of my grandsons, brought one of the grandsons with him. So he did. And um, then we have two of our semi-adopted sons here today. And the three of them are sitting down front here. They look like the three amigos with their bandit, you know, things on. Um, and I say for the other two, I say semi-adopted sons because they don't take my name, but they do take all of my food. You know what I'm saying? Um, now, last week, knowing that they were coming, I pulled out some photo albums one afternoon. I went into a bedroom where we keep them in a closet. I pulled out and there was like, I just started pulling out photo albums, started looking through. And I was looking at memories of our kids when our kids were very small. And uh, I started thinking about that and reminiscing, thinking of pictures of our grandsons. And you know, the more I did that, the more grateful my heart became. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I mean, there are sad moments because you realize how quickly it goes by, right? But here's what happened. Very quickly, the photo albums got pushed aside and I pulled out pictures and got the photo albums out of me and Vicki dating. And I just started going through, like where it all started. I just started thinking about when we met at Olivet and then I, I found this picture right here. This is a picture of right after uh, Vicki begged me to marry her at Olivet. And there she is sitting uh, you know, on my lap at uh, one of the dorm room, her dorm room. And uh, this was right after we got engaged. So this is kind of a, a special picture. And here's what happened. The more I started thinking about this and I started going back to when we fell in love and how we got engaged and all of those things, and the more I started looking at pictures of when we were dating, the more grateful I was, the more thankful my heart was just filled with such thanksgiving because it reminded me of why I fell in love with her. Because memories, listen, memories are such a powerful thing. Now, last week we talked about, when we had the bench here, we talked about the power of a bad memory and how it can enslave us and chain us to things in our past. And, and, but, but there is great power in good memories as well. And my heart was just filled with thanksgiving as I thought about where it all started and why we fell in love with each other. And it was just like my love and my, my, my uh, thankfulness for her just grew to a different level. And here's what Paul would say. When you think about people in your life, especially those around you, now we all have friendships, but I'm talking about relationships. Paul said that when you think about the relationships in your life, your first thought, this is what Paul said, your first thought should be gratitude. I'm thankful for that person in my life. Pull out pictures if you have to. Think in your mind why that person became a special person in your life and focus on that. Because here's the deal, for all of us, 
The tendency, I'm talking about the human tendency is not for us to go to the good memories. The tendency for us when we see someone, especially someone that's a close uh, proximity to our lives, the tendency is, is to think of the negative things or the critical memories. We tend to see people's faults, especially those that were around a lot because we probably know all of them, right? And, and we tend to see their faults and then we get consumed by that and pretty soon we get critical, maybe hateful. And here's the problem. The longer you know someone, the more you take them for granted. Is that not true? You ever been like, like at your house and you had like a bunch of company coming over and you come in the room and you walk around a corner and you bump into somebody and you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then you're like, it's your wife. And you go, oh, it's you, right? We take each other for granted. That's our tendency. The more you focus on the faults of someone that you know so well, the more critical you become and the easier it is to remember the bad times and not the good times. Now, the three amigos were here this week and we sat around and we talked a lot of, a lot of memories. Do you know what we didn't do? We didn't bring up a lot of bad stuff. We didn't say, oh man, you remember the time that dad, you remember the time that you beat me and sent me to my room? It was awesome. You know, we didn't. Why? Because we, we were caught up in the happiness of being together and we focused on the good things. Are there some of the other memories? Yes, but you, you, you're not focusing on those. And Paul says, every time, here's what Paul said, every time I think of you, he's talking to the church of Philippi, when I think of you, I am filled with thanksgiving. And then he goes on to say, I thank God for the help you gave me from the very first day that he started the church until now. Because when the Philippian church started, there were some people in the church that just jumped in. One uh, was a woman named Lydia who opened up her home and gave resources. And she kind of helped birth the church at Philippi. And so Paul's like, man, from the very first day, I can almost like see him directing this to Lydia. From the very first day, you, you helped me. You partnered with me. Um, and many times the Philippian church funded Paul's ministry. They funded his missionary journeys when he would start another church. Um, they were there. And Paul is having this moment where he is in prison, where he is shifting the focus from the sadness of being in prison to the joy that comes when you stop and you focus on the good memories. And he is just thanking them for all that they have done. I thank God for your help. What have you forgotten that other people have done for you? And here's why I say that. This is a memory, he's stopping, he's pausing. Memories are a choice. You choose what you focus on. Now, what happened to you may not have been a choice, but your memory of it, your replaying that over in your mind is a choice. And you can cho choose, though this is a whole message in itself. You can choose to hold on to a painful memory, something that happened in your past. You can be that chained to that bench like the dog was last week. You can, you can keep that person on your bench as long as you want to. You can choose to just play that over and over in your mind because some of you just like to feel miserable all the time. Or you can choose a different 
memory. They they are a choice. You decide. You make that choice. And some of you, and I love you, but some of you have held on to some painful memories in your life and you you focus on those. You don't focus on the good things. You focus on those and what you focus on, Satan begins to magnify in your life. I was thinking about this. I was reading about this and he's thanking God for the help they gave him. And then I happened to read and thought about the church at Philippi, Paul had a lot of painful memories there. He was beaten there. He was maligned. He was cast out, rejected. But he says, every time I think of you, I choose to give thanks in my heart. I choose to be Grateful, And here, I'm gonna give you at the end a key on each one of these points to help you. And here's the happiness key here. If you wanna sustain happiness in your life, you have to learn, you have to discipline, you have to put this habit in your life. Remember the best and forget the rest. Well, pastor, I can't forget the rest. Well, you, you, you don't have to focus on it. You can remember the best about a person. You can think about their good qualities. You can think about the things in their life and you can forget or spend uh, less time focusing on those things in your life. Remember the best and forget the rest. I have to be grateful for people in my life. I have to develop that habit. Who are you grateful for in your life right now? How do you feed that? How do you cause that to grow in your life? Maybe it's like me. Maybe you go home and you just pull out the photo album and you just start looking through and watch the grateful spirit just rise up within you. All right, let's move to the second one. Second one is Paul said, I must pray with joy for the people in my life. Doesn't it incur, come on, you can actually say amen here or you can do a thumbs up online. Um, doesn't it encourage you when you find out or know someone is praying for you? Come on, now this is huge for me because this helps me so much. um, Often the thing that keeps me going is knowing that I have so many people that pray for me. I, um, I had a lot of people when I was in Nashville that prayed for me. I have some friends here today, dear friends of ours that are here today. They prayed for me. Um, but when I came here, man, it, went, it seemed like it just went to a different level. There were people meeting all through the week. There were some of you that would gather here and early in the morning or mid-morning or you'd come in the night and you'd pray and you were praying for me and you were praying for the church. And, and there are people that would pray for me before each service. And it just seemed like there was so much prayer. And I just need to let you know that feeds me and it helps me. And often the thing that keeps me going and keeps his anointing on my life and in my ministry is that I know that there are so many that are praying for me. Just before the service this morning, I had several that texted me or sent me messages that were praying for me. Now, there's just a couple that really like hit me. One was just like, one is a dear prayer partner that just said, hey, I'm praying for you as you reopen today. Um, I'm praying God just is there and, and just blesses the service. And then I have, I have a, a lady, I, she is like 101. I'm, I'm being serious because I think like a year ago they had her 100th birthday. She is 100 years, 101 years of age and she prays for me with passion. Like, like um, when Vicki found out, when we found out that Vicki had cancer 10 years ago, 
Her and her daughter were the, one of the first ones that we called because we knew they knew how to pray. Do you know what I'm saying? Come on, you know, like if, I know if they're praying for me, it's gonna be all right, right? And so she, this 101 year old, she's like on Facebook every day. I just got this picture in my mind, like Beatty, I love you, Beatty, love you. And she's on Facebook every day going through the stuff. Oh, this is good, this is great. And I thought, man, she just keeps growing and growing. I hope. Well, there's some days I don't wanna make it to 100. You know what I'm saying? But if I do, I wanna have her heart. And I just feel energized when I know there are so many people praying for me every week. And there are people that send me notes. Pastor, I'm praying for you this week. I prayed for you today. Just like I said, notes, so many prayed for the service this morning. And here's what I know. I can tell when I'm preaching if people have been praying for me. I can tell. Um, Listen, some of you, you better be thankful that there are people praying for me. Because if I was doing this without the anointing of God, ooh, it would be an ugly deal. I'm just telling you that right now. Um, So um, here's what Paul said. I always pray for you and I make my request with a heart of joy. I want you to think about somebody that kind of irritates you right now. Can you do that? Pull up a face. Don't look at them if you're sitting next to them. Don't look at them online if they're on the couch. But if you see somebody, I mean, if you you can picture somebody in your mind and they just kind of irritate you. Um, Maybe someone you have a strained relationship with or, you know, all of us have people in our lives that when we're around them, like you see somebody coming and you, you know that when you, if you talk to them, they're gonna drain the life out of you. You know what I'm talking about? Like they're gonna put a needle in the marrow of your bone and suck every bit of life out. So we all have those kind of people, but we also have people in our lives that when we are around them, they just lift us up, right? Like when we leave, we feel better about ourselves than we did before. We're not even sure why, it's just being around them. But we all have people that irritate us. So here's my question. That person's in your mind. Have you prayed for them at all? Have have you prayed for the person that irritates you? Because sometimes you may not have a choice as to whether or not you're around them. Or do you just complain about them and criticize to them? Um, You know, are you you criticized as you're praying to God? You just, you know, like, God, they just make me so mad. You know what I mean? You just vent. And here's the question I have for you. When you criticize somebody, does it work? Like when you go to somebody else or you go to God and you start criticizing somebody else, like, like I go to somebody and I start criticizing somebody over here, does my talking to this person and criticizing this person over here, does it help the situation? The answer is no, folks, all right? The answer is no. Let me ask you this question. Does prayer work? So why do we keep doing the things that we know don't work and don't do the things that we know that do? And so Paul says, I have developed this habit of prayer in my life that I choose to just pray for people with joy. Um, You know, most of us have things that we'd like to change in others, right? Um, You've got a a spouse and you loved, you know, you like got married and you thought there were like irritation things about them. You know what I mean? Like, and you thought to yourself, well, when we get married, I'll change them. Or you have people in your life now and you think, man, if I could just get them to do that, they'd be doing whatever. And listen, here's a great, here's a great thing. This is probably the best thing I can help some of you with in regards to relationships. You will never change someone 
You can't do it. You can't change someone. The only thing you can change is yourself. And, but what you can do is that you can pray for somebody and when you pray for somebody, God can change them, right? And so the question is, who have you been praying for that maybe irritates you? Uh, you wanna have more than happiness? Well, here's the key. The quickest way to change bad relationships to a good one is to start praying for them. You just pray for them. It will change you. It will change them. Pray for them. Well, what do I pray? Well, try praying what Paul taught in verses nine through 11. Pray that they grow in love. Listen, this could be your spouse. This could be a child. This could be someone you work with. This could be someone uh, that's a friend and, and you're praying for them. What do you pray? You pray that they would grow in love. I pray your love would grow more and more. You just pray, God, don't let my heart get bitter. Because when you refuse to, when you refuse to pray someone that irritates you, what happens is your heart will grow bitter. And then you pray that they will make wise choices. The prayer that we pray for our children and our grandchildren every day more than any other prayer is God help them make wise choices today. Help them make wise choices because your choices determine your outcome. Your choices determine what your future looks like. And so Paul said that you will fully know and understand how to make the right choices. And so he's praying for the church at Philippi. This is the prayer that, that you need to pray for those people that you care about, those relationships. God, help them make wise choices. Pray that they will live with integrity in their life. I wish I had time for this one. Paul says, I pray that you may live in Live pure and blameless lives until Christ returns. Listen, let me talk to just the church for a minute, whether it's the church online or the church that's gathered here this morning. This may be one of the number one things that turns people off to Christianity. It's Christians that don't live with integrity in their lives. They don't let their yes mean yes and their no mean no. I've been lied to so many times. Now that's, that's I understand it when it's the world, you know, and I mean, it could be as simple as somebody making an appointment and they're supposed to show up at my house to give me a quote on something. And they say, we'll be there, you know, such, such time. And they don't show up and they don't come and they don't call. And then you call them up and they act like, oh, well, it's not a big deal, whatever, you know, uh, or what's worse is when it, stuff that happens with inside the church and we don't let our yes be yes and our no be no. And what happens is it takes away our integrity. It chips away at that. Paul said, live a life of integrity that you may be blameless and pure. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And then the, the other thing is pray that they become like Jesus. That you will be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Well, what, what is this fruit that he's talking about here? What's the fruit Paul's talking about that? Well, he tells us in Galatians 5, <coughs> when he says the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, the evidence of the Spirit. So you have the Holy Spirit in you, and the evidence that the Holy Spirit is doing a work in your life is that there will be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Can you measure spiritual growth in someone? I think so. 
You can measure your own spiritual growth right now. Ask yourself this question. How much more loving am I today than I was a year ago? How how much more patience do I have in my life than I did five years ago? How, 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 How much am I exhibiting gentleness in my spirit toward other people? Do I just lash out or have I gotten better in that area? And you can measure, this is the fruit that the spirit is doing a work in your life. And you can pray these four things for your children. You can pray them for your spouse. You can pray them for me as your pastor. The third habit that Paul says that we have to develop is, he says, I must expect the best from people, the people in my life. Now, easy to teach, hard for us to live out. We tend to expect the worst and not believe the best in people. Now, especially people that have been around us for a long time because we've seen the worst and we know it's there. And so the tendency is, is for us to see that first. And Paul is saying, no, 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 make it a habit that you look at people and you believe the best in them. You see the best in them, not criticizing them. You develop a habit. And listen, habits take, long, uh, uh, habits take time to develop. Someone said that if you do something for uh, four to six weeks every day, it'll become a habit. If you do it four to six months, it'll become a lifestyle. How do we develop a habit in our life where we expect and see the best in people, not the worst? And Paul said this, God who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. I'm expecting the best from people, not the worst. God's doing this work in me. He's gonna make me more gentle in this area of believing the best in people. And then there's three things that Paul did to believe the best in people. One is he believed in people themselves. He just believed in them. He said, I am confident. I have confidence in people. I believe in you. He told the church at Philippi, I believe in you. I'm thankful for you, but I believe in you. Do you give people in your life, your relationships, whoop, Do you give people in your life confidence? Or do you criticize them in such a way that you destroy their self-worth? When people are around you, do they feel better because they're around you or do they feel worse? Paul believed in people. Paul gave people a vision. The vision was you're gonna keep growing. You're gonna get better at this. You're gonna be an incredible follower of Christ. You're gonna grow. You're gonna, you're gonna improve. God's gonna use you. He would, say, he would say, God has incredible things that you can't even begin to imagine that he wants to do in your life. He just gave him this vision. And here's the deal. And some of you parents that have kids at home need to understand this, but all of us need to understand this about people around us. People tend to become what we expect of them. Paul was patient with people. He said, I'm, I'm confident that we, that the God who began this work, he's gonna, he's gonna complete it. He's gonna complete it. It's gonna take some time. It's okay. I don't expect you to be here when you're here. It's gonna take time. It's a process. And then he gave us this key. If you wanna sustain happiness, celebrate how far people have come rather than judging them for how much they still have to go. You've gotta be patient with people. Growth is a process. Give people the ability to grow. And that leads me to the last habit, the fourth habit, and this one is huge. I must love people in my life, relationships in my life, like Jesus does. 
Now, if you're not a fully devoted follower of Christ, if you don't have a desire for that, you wouldn't do this. But if you are, and if you want to be, you have to love people in your life like Jesus did. So here's what, here's what Paul said. Paul said, okay, I gotta be grateful for people in my life. I've gotta sustain happiness by giving thanks and being grateful for who God has put in my life. Then I have to pray for those people. So I have a list and I pray for those people. I've got a little thing in mind. It's got, I've got a little cross and then I've got a V and then I've got a D and then I've got um, an A and then I've got, and I, I could go on. I, these are initials for my wife and my kids. The cross is for salvation. And then I've got like a dollar sign. I'm thankful for God's blessing. So every day I start, I start by sustaining happiness in my life by giving thanks for all that God has done. And I pray for those people in my life with joy. And then I must expect the best from people in my life. I just believe that. And then I have to love people in my life like Jesus did. And again, this is easy to teach, but it's harder for us to live out. And you know why it's hard for, for us to live this one out? <laughs> because you're not Jesus. And I'm not Jesus. And we tend to be self-centered. We, our life tends to be about us. And so we're focusing on what we think will make us happy. And we tend to look at our own needs and our own desires but Paul teaches me that I have to learn to love people in my life like Jesus loved people. And so Paul kind of puts this together when he says, my deep love for you doesn't come from myself. I can't do this on my own. I'm thinking about the times I was beaten. I'm thinking about the times you guys rejected me. I'm, trying, I'm thinking of all the problems that happened there. But the deep love I have for you comes from the heart of Christ Jesus himself. Because Paul started this church at Philippi and he, he loved the church. He just loved, he just loved the church. And, and maybe during this last 11 weeks or so, maybe more so than before, I just want you to know, and I don't do a good job of sharing this and well, y'all haven't been here, all right? And, um, but I want you to know how grateful I am for all of you just like the Apostle Paul was grateful for the church of Philippi. I want you to know that in the mornings, as I'm going through our prayer list or looking at uh, pictures in a directory, um, that I pray for you. And when I pray for you, I pray for you with joy. I want you to know I believe in you. I want you to know that I believe your best days, no matter what has happened in your life, your best days are ahead. I believe the best days for our church are ahead. And I'm just so excited about the year ahead and the vision God will give us, even in the midst of all this crazy pandemic. Um, and I want you to know it's an honor to be your pastor and serve you and love you. Now, I wanna close by a passage of scripture that um, you may be familiar with, but maybe not. First John three sixteen. this is how we know what real love is. Christ gave his life for us. So then we ought to give our lives for others. Does that remind you of another verse of scripture? There's a verse in John three sixteen that's a lot like this. And the same guy wrote both passages. 
John 3.16, that reminds us that, uh, you know, for God so loved us that he gave his one and only son that if we would just believe in him, we could have eternal life. Um, you know, that's, that's the way of salvation. We get, we get that one, but we tend to ignore John, 1 John 3.16. We know John 3.16, sometimes we just forget about 1 John 3.16 that says, this is how we know what real love is. Christ gave his life for us. So then we ought to give our lives for others. Can I just say this to us watching today online or gathered in this place? If we only lived out one verse of scripture in the Bible, and it were this scripture, there would be no relational problems ever because we wouldn't be thinking about ourselves. We would be thinking about other people. And so Paul gives us this last key to happiness, and that is love people unconditionally just like Jesus did. Just love people without stipulations, without conditions, we just love people. I love the people that are around me, even though I may know painful things that they have done or are doing or whatever, I'm not gonna focus on those. I'm gonna believe the best in them. I'm gonna think about um, good things when I think about them. I'm gonna pray and ask God to bless them and keep them safe and make them mature in Christ and help them make good choices. Even to the point where Paul said that as God gave his life for us, we should do that for each other. Just wondered if you just bow your heads with me for a moment in this place and maybe even online. I just wanna ask us to do a little personal evaluation. Which of these habits that we talked about today do you need to maybe work on? Who, for example, who, who do you need to be more grateful for in your life? Who, who in your life um, have you taken for granted? Who in your life have you failed to give thanks for and be grateful for? Who have you failed to appreciate? He may give you a name today, the Holy Spirit, a face. Are, are you praying for the people in your life? I mean, do you, do you pray every day? Do you pray for your spouse and your kids and your children, your parents, your friends? those relationships around you? Do, you? do you pray with joy when you think about them or you just bring in like a critical list to God of all the things that are wrong with them? Do you believe the best in people around you? Maybe that's an area you need to work on. Holy Spirit, help me with this. Maybe you're a person that demands perfection. People around you have to do everything right all the time and it just becomes weary. Who do you need to start loving from the heart like 
like Jesus did. Because all of those faces and names that you have, those are his children too. And he loves them too. And in this series, we'll talk about habits um, of happiness. And maybe as we're talking, you'll have a desire that grows in you that say, oh, I wanna, I wanna do that, I wanna live like that, a desire. But a desire will only get you started. It will be a habit that keeps you going. And maybe you just take one step today and here's a step maybe you could take. This could be all of us. Maybe we just take this one step. And the one step is I wanna make a commitment today, God, to be a part of this entire series because relationships are maybe the most important thing to sustain happiness in my life. Just with your heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you would just pray this, God, I wanna be happy. I know happiness is not always a possibility, but I can sustain happiness. I can, I don't have to, I can downplay a lot of the things that pull away my happiness. I can deal with, and we're gonna deal with those in the next few weeks. But God, I wanna be happy. I wanna learn these habits of happiness. And right now I'm just gonna commit to being a part and not missing any of it. I just wanna, I want you to grow me so I can be a fully devoted follower. And let me say, just as we close, let me say one more thing. If you have never, whether you're in this place or whether you're watching, if you have never invited Christ into your life and developed a relationship with him, you need to start right there. Some of you right now, some of you right now, you do not have a relationship with him. And here's the prayer you need to pray. Just, just, just pray right where you are. You're just saying, Jesus, thank you for loving me. <laughs> you loved me when I wasn't even lovable. Thank you for dying for me. I don't understand it all, but I wanna to get to know you. I wanna have a relationship with you. I need you. This world, if we've learned anything in the last few weeks, we've learned how crazy this world is and how we can't depend on anything. And so I give you my sin, forgive me. I give you my life, use me. Show me in this series how much you loved me. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I'd love to encourage you or help you or send you a note or pray with you. And so just let me know. Just send me a note, an email, or post something. Um, I just want to pray for you and help you move forward. Let's pray together, all of us. Father, wow, a lot of stuff that Paul taught us. And we, if we've learned anything, we know that we can't do any of this alone. We, we need you. God, we need you. We need you more in this world than we have ever needed you before. I mean, we just got so much craziness. There's so much hatred that abounds. I mean, if we're gonna hate somebody because they wear a mask or don't wear a mask, my goodness, we'll hate anybody. But that's just Satan's deception. If we're gonna hate somebody because they offended me or didn't do this or didn't do that, God, it's destroying relationships and a lot of times in the church. And so God, we're asking you as followers of Christ that wanna be fully devoted to him, we're asking you, Holy Spirit, to help us in all of this. May we understand the teachings of the apostle Paul that happiness is possible through the power of your love in us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.